Let's break this down a little bit. Great mercy. Great mercy. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, This high priest, speaking of Jesus Christ, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. We have a God that understands our situations. There is, there is a God that loves you, and He cares for you, and He has compassion for you. He has been where you have been, and He's gone where we are going. Amen? Jesus is a God that's been here. He's been here. He understands here. He has lived in the burden of this life. He has made it through here. He is now seated there, right? And He's leading us from there. This is the great mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is merciful. He is merciful. As we talked about last week, I am so thankful that God is not a God of second chances. God is not a God of second chances. And right now you're thinking, what? what do you mean, Chad? I hope He's a God of second chances. No, it's even better than that. He's a God of endless chances. He's a God of endless chances. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is for you. He is on your team. He wants you to win more than you yourself want to win. God is for you. And that's what people need to understand. Is that the cross, Jesus Christ, is God's exclamation point to the entire world that He is 100% for you. For them. We, ha we have a world that thinks that God's mad at them. Well, if God's going to reject me, I'm going to reject Him. Well, that, that's funny. God hasn't rejected you. God has reconciled Himself to you won't you be reconciled to Him? Right? God is not in the rejecting business. God is in the saving business. He's in the restoration business. This is the great mercy of our God. And then it says we're born again. See, we were born physically, but we were dead spiritually. See, to go to heaven, you have to be born twice. To go to hell, you gotta be, you got to die twice. When you're born again, you have a natural birth, and then when you're born again, you have a spiritual birth. And that's good news. You need to be born again by the Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, comes in and He changes your nature. He changes your nature. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And this new life, this new life works its way out through new desires. He changes your heart. He gives you new want-tos. Right? He gives you, can anybody agree with this? That when you were born again, all of a sudden things changed. For me, the world even kind of looked a little different. I definitely look different to other people, right? All of a sudden, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I want to read my Bible. I want to understand what God has to say to me. I want to sing, right? I make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, maybe not the joyful part, but the noise. I make the noise. As my mother loves to tell me, she's so reassuring, that God even loves to hear the crows. So... So I might not be the best singer. I, I envy those preachers that can pre or preach and sing, and but uh, unfortunately that's not my gift. But I like to sing. I like to sing to Jesus. There's new watches. Do I still stumble? Do I still screw up in certain areas of my life? Yes, but there's great grace and mercy for that, right? And I, I don't want to live there. See, I might I might sin because that's what it's called. It's sin. The world doesn't like you to use the word sin, but it's sin. You miss the mark. I might sin, but that's no longer my habitation. I don't live there. My identity is in Christ Jesus. As we said in our confession today, 
You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Our righteousness is by faith, not by works or deeds. Amen? All of a sudden, things just change. You start, all of a sudden, you're nice to people. Right? All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, you're forgiving people. You're even apologizing. You know, for some of you, that, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. God changes you. You're born again. Something in the core of your being has changed. And that's even born anew. Amen. To what? A living hope. Tell me, what does this world right now lack? It lacks hope. It lacks hope. People say you need, what do you need? You need water, food, air, and shelter to survive. Right? And hope. And hope. Because I, I, I have seen a lot of people that have water, food, shelter, and air, and they take their own life. Why? Because they believed they had no hope. You need hope. And the Bible gives you hope. Jesus gives us hope. We, our hope cannot be in our nation. Our hope cannot be in our job. Our hope can't be in our money. Our hope can't be in our kids. Our hope can't be in an election. I hope you know that. Hope has to be in something bigger. It has to be in something bigger and better than everything else. And His name is Jesus. See, a lot of Christians are unstable. A lot of Christians don't have hope. A lot of Christians have lost their joy. A lot of Christians are, are, are filled with anxiety and depression and, and just... Um, fearful looking into the future. You know why? Because their hope is not in Jesus. Their hope is not in Jesus. They're looking at the shifting sands instead of the rock of our salvation. Living hope, that means the living hope of Jesus comes to you in this life. We can have hope in this life. So you can live and guess what? When you die because it's a living hope, you know why it's a living hope? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And He is our hope. And when you die, that hope just continues throughout eternity. Heaven does not begin the day you die. Heaven begins the day you meet Jesus. You are living in eternity right now. Amen. Through the resurrection. The resurrection. This is Jesus' returning. There will come a day when we will see the resurrection. Either you'll see it because you're being resurrected, or you'll be seeing it as you're being transformed and watching others be resurrected. He's going to come to you. He's going to call you by name. He's going to fix everyone and everything. Resurrection is when Jesus comes back and the dead is raised and the living are transformed. The fight is over. The burdens are over. The divisions are over. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it? Jesus comes back. Everything's being transformed. And all of a sudden you look up and it's over. It's completely over. The weights, the burdens, the cares of this world are gone forever. And you go to your Facebook and you don't even know how to explain it or what to say. And you go to look at the emojis and there's only one and it's a smiley face. I guess I'll push the smiley face. It's wonderful. There is a day that's coming. There is a day that's coming when all the cares of this world, all the weight of this world, all the hurt, all the brokenness of this world will be over. And what a day that will be. Resurrection. It means restoring. Imperishable inheritance. How many of you are not certain about the financial stability of our nation right now? Hmm. Banks are unstable. The real estate market is deflating. The stock market is viable. 
And you think, well, I'm going to buy gold. Well, interesting, if you do a little history, reading on your history, you know that there was actually a time in American history when our government made it illegal for, you to, for the citizens of its country to own gold? So how secure is our gold? What are you going to do with the gold if you're not even allowed to have it? There is no way you can put your wealth and and there's nowhere you can put your wealth and have a guaranteed secure future. Sorry to bust your bubble. I'm sorry what your financial advisor told you. But there's nowhere that you can put your wealth that you have a guaranteed security. What Paul is talking about, or not Paul, Peter. What Peter's talking about here is an inheritance that is secure forever, though. Because God is the one that guards it. That's good news. That's good news. Your ultimate eternal retirement plan is well taken care of. It's well taken care of. There's nothing to fear, there's no anxiety. It's gonna, you're gonna, you, you have more than enough. All, all of eternity, you will ne- never run out of money. Ain't that, what they, they, ain't that what they ask you? Well, when do you plan on retiring? How long do you plan on living after that? And how, how much do you want to live off from every year? When you get to heaven, when you get to eternity, it's all taken care of. Your cup is running over. Amen? See, I don't know if you're going to be rich or poor in this world. That's up to you. That's up to you and God. But God has an inheritance for all of us. For all His children. That is imperishable. That can't be taken away. Some people think, well, my parents have a lot of money and when they go, I'm going to get, guess what? The government cuts in line. The government's going to get it before you do. You have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it's kept for you in heaven. We live by God's power. We are guarded by the power of God. We live by God's power. We are not alone. You are not alone in this world. You are not alone in your circumstances. You are not alone in the burdens and the heaviness of this world. You have a supernatural. Christians have a supernatural power that's available to them through the Holy Spirit. We are not alone. God is with us. God's power is available to us. I mean, some of the things, I, I don't know if you guys are really looking at our confession that we, we say up here. It, you might think it sounds cute and, and we got all the Scriptures on the bottom to back it up. But when it says that you know all things, that's what the Bible says. Where do you know all things? In, in your, this brain up here? No, in your spirit. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. We can pray to the One that knows everything. The Bible says that He will even show you things that are to come. But all we do is gripe and complain and call it praying. We live in a different kingdom. We are a peculiar people. We should look different compared to the culture of this age. And it's more than just morality. These people know God. These people know God. That's what they said about the disciples. They, they called them unlearned men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. You are being guarded by God. We live in a world where, where there's a great sense of fear and lack of safety. We are to be wise with our lives, right? But we're also supposed to leave some provision for God. We're not supposed to live our life so safe that, that God can't move, that God can't do anything. Tell you the truth, I, I've said this multiple times to you guys, but if you want to know if something that God's called you to do in your life is God or not, does it take faith? Because God will never call you to do anything that you can do in your own strength. If you can accomplish it in your own strength, it's not God. God will always take you out of the boat. He will always bring you onto the waves. And He will always force you. 
call you to continue to look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We are guarded by God. We, we, are, we are to be wise with our life. God's heart is for you as a father's heart is for his children. A parent desires the best for their children. They look to provide an environment of safety, right? And, and a place to protect them and not, for them not to be harmed with evil. True? Is that the heart of a father? Is that a heart of a parent? A good one at least, right? Maybe some of you didn't have good parents, but guess what? You have an awesome Heavenly Father and His desire is to protect you and keep you from harm and for you to prosper. To prosper in all areas of your life. And you are children of God. There are so many Christians that don't see God as their Father. And it literally says that Holy Spirit, He's constantly convicting us, to our spirit, to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. If you don't know God as your Daddy, what a miserable existence. Not to know God as your Heavenly Father that cares for you. But you can know Him. That's His desire. Think of all the things that the Holy Spirit could, all the names the Holy Spirit could, could have convicted our spirit to speak out. Elohim. Right? Yahweh. All these, all these different names. But no, He says, Abba. The disciples want to know, teach us to pray. Jesus says, our Abba. That word translated Father is Abba. Who is in heaven. No one prayed like that until Jesus showed up and showed us the true nature of God. That's awesome. Right? Doesn't matter how old you are either. You always need a Father. Rejoicing. You're going to see this starting to play out in, in, in the book of First Peter, to rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Rejoicing in God's blessing. Rejoicing in being born again. Rejoicing in Jesus. Rejoicing in our inheritance. Rejoicing in God's protection. Rejoicing in your salvation. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice in the world? No. Rejoice in spite of the world. We are to rejoice in defiance to the world. We rejoice and have joy in God's love for us, God's presence with us, God's provision for us, God's power through us. Amen? I'm not saying that, that everything's going to be okay out there. But I'm saying that in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, in the core of who you are, things will be okay in here. They can be okay in here. Our rejoicing is in the One who has overcome the world. And our rejoicing is secure regardless of what's going on in the world. This is not denial of reality. This is us superseding reality. Right? Reality can change. Truth never changes. Truth never changes. The facts can change. Well, these are the facts of my life, Chad. It's just the facts. Well, good news. God has truth for your facts. And God's truth always trumps Amen? This is not ignoring the problems. This is trusting the solution. God loves you. God chooses you. God blesses you. Amen. Amen? And the world sucks. That's what Peter tells us next. In verse 6. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the test, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. We love Him, don't we? Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him. We believe in Jesus, don't we? In Him... And 
and rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. A little while. In this you rejoice, though now, when is now? Now is now. Today is now. Tomorrow is now. Yesterday was now. Your future is now. Peter says, for a little while. How, how long is a little while? Your life. Your life is the little while. Your life is the little while. Your life is the little while. It doesn't feel like a little while, does it? It feels like a long while. Amen. Let me ask you. Do you remember any big days in your life? Like, do you remember the first day that you were married, waking up being married? Do you remember the first day that you, you were parents and you had a child in your arms? Do you remember the first day that you drove a car all by yourself on the road? Do you remember your first date? Do you remember the first day of kindergarten? Lots of you probably have memories of those days. But let me ask you, do you remember the 32nd day of being married? Do you remember the seventh day of kindergarten? Do you do you remember? Right, don't remember the first. You. That's what our life is going to be like when we get to heaven. This life is just like that in the light of eternity. It's just a little while. When you're in the kingdom of God and in the presence of Jesus for 10 million years, this current life will feel like the 17th day of elementary school. People will say, well, what did you do when you were on earth? I don't remember. I don't remember. I've been just enjoying eternity. I've been enjoying my inheritance. I've been exploring the universe. I don't remember what happened on earth. That was just a little while. A little while is keeping perspective that you are an eternal being that will be with God eternally. And what you're experiencing right now, good or bad, is just a little while. Grieved. If necessary, you have been grieved. Grieved, we'll talk about that in a moment, by various trials so that the testing, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it was tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you may not, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have, you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory, attaining to the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You were blessed, you are blessed, and you are elect. You were exiles, and you were burdened. Both of these are simultaneously, continuously true. What Peter is talking about here is being grieved. Grieved, the burden of living in a fallen world. If there is, is there, there's probably no other word that best describes our culture. Is grieved. People are grieved. Has anyone expected experienced this recently? See, grief and being grieved about your life is manifested in multiple ways. Some people it's manifest in depression. Some, some people, it's manifest in anxiety. Some people, it's irritability. Some people, it's anger. Rage. They're grieved. You understand that? That's where it comes from. Right now, I would say that this nation, and even internationally, the mood is grieved, and various people are expressing the emotion in various ways. The Bible is not about what happened. The Bible is about what always happened. The Bible is not old. The Bible is eternal. It's not about the past. 
It's about every day and about every age of life. Grief. Godly people experience grief because our God experiences grief. Grieved by various trials. Various trials. Does that sound familiar? See, what, what various trials is, it's one problem on top of another problem. On top of another problem. It's one crisis on top of another crisis. On top of another crisis. Doesn't it seem like you just you open up social media, you open up the news, you, whatever you open up to, it's just constant. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? And it's just more and more things constantly being piled and piled and piled upon you. That's how the enemy works. Pile enough on you to where you're paralyzed. Because you're focusing on the burdens of this world rather than the hope that is in Jesus Christ. The truth that is in Jesus Christ. This is where you get hit with something and you get hit with something else and hit with something else and hit with something else. And it, it doesn't even give you time to process. I'm buried under these pains. I'm buried under these problems. I'm buried under these perils. I'm worried about my future. Are we not seeing a tsunami, a tsunami of problems and perils in our nation? Amen. Can we say that lots of people are grieving and having various trials? See, this allows us to be compassionate like Jesus was compassionate. We can be like God and have compassion instead of saying, suck it up. What I'm going through is worse than yours. Everybody is grieved. Everyone is experiencing various trials in life. But we need to know that we have the love of God and the love for one another. We can be compassionate and sympathetic for one another and help each other to carry each other's burdens. Praying for one another and lifting one another up refocusing one another on the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Helping one another to cast their cares onto Christ because He cares for us. Amen? When Peter talks about our faith, he says that your faith is more precious than gold. We talk about the gold standard. We talk about the golden age. We talk about gold as being that of highest value. Right? And Peter's saying that our faith is like gold. And what happens is when troubled times come, people tend to grab onto their income. They, they tend to grab onto their wealth as hope. As their hope. You know, I'm not, you know me, I'm not against income. I'm not against building wealth. And I'm definitely not against being a good steward of what God has given you. But I'm telling you that ultimately, apart from your faith in Jesus Christ, you do not have any security, you have no foundation to rest your hope on apart from Christ. Ultimately, there is something more precious than gold, and that is your faith in Christ Jesus. Most people don't believe this. Right You know, right now, they, they, they're filled with grief and Various tri trials coming on them, and you ask the average American, you know, how can we make things better? And he says, they, they tell you, give me tons of money. Give me tons of money. So I don't have to worry about anything. But the problem is, tons of money will not give you eternal peace. If you have tons of money without Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, you will not have. Your finances, your wealth cannot produce what your faith and your worship to Jesus can do. If some, someone came to you and said, what is the most precious thing that you have? What is the most precious thing that you have? Right now, you, you're saying, I know the answer. 
But if they caught you off guard, would you say that the most precious thing I have is my faith in Jesus? The most valuable thing that I have is the, is the faith that God has given me to believe in Jesus. Everything may come and go, but what you have in Christ is safeguarded. It is safe and it is secure. Tested by fire. How many of you like that? How many of you like to know if something's tested by fire? What happens when you when they put gold in a kiln and it gets heated up? All the impurities come to the top and it's removed. And that's the same thing that happens to us in life. When we have to operate in faith. When we realize that the only thing we have in this world is our faith in Jesus Christ. And all you're doing is concentrating on Him. So all that religious junk of doing things in your own strength or, or focusing on your own morality or focusing on your faith. It's not your faith. It's the faith of Jesus Christ that was given to you when you were born again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is given. It's not something that you own or something that you produce from yourself. When all that, all, all that unbelief and all that wrong thinking, when the fires of hell and the burdens of this life come in and all you have is Jesus, it pure, it's pure faith. Because you realize that Jesus is all that you have. Now the fire doesn't come from God. The burdens of this world does not come from God. Don't let any religious person tell you that. God's trying to get us out of it. He's trying to redeem us out of it. He's trying to save us from this fallen world. But sometimes it feels it feels like it, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like a little life feels a little bit like hell. Right? You might be thinking right now, my life feels like hell right now. That the flames, I can feel them. My feet are getting hot. That's the burden of this world. That's the burden of this world. But in it, there's a blessing from the Lord. There's a secret for the saints. That the burden can be a blessing if you bring it to the Lord and process it with the Lord. Listen to this. Paul puts it this way in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Paul's saying the exact same thing here. Just a little bit different wording. That God is able to take the most tragic situations in our life and turn them around for good. Don't be confused. God did not cause the tragic situations so He can turn it around for good. The devil, and most of the time you, you cause the tragic situation. But God, in despite of the burdens of this world, despite in the things that we have done to ourselves, God is able, through His great mercy, through His grace, He's able to turn around for good in your life. There's some of us that have experienced great pain, great suffering, great things in our lives, and now as you look back on it, you can see God's hand through the whole situation. His mercy, His grace taking you through. God does not put you in the oven. The burdens of this world does. But God is able to bring blessing in the midst of our burdens. Walking out faith in God's blessing in the midst of burdens makes you more like Jesus and more like his character. This is why people, and I and I and I have people in my mind right now. This is why people who have been through the worst sufferings in this world sometimes have the greatest, deepest, richest, and purest faith. Because all they have is Jesus. I can't get through this life but God. Amen. Amen. You're gonna be you're gonna be shocked. And you get to heaven. And you're going to see preachers like me and stuff with little crowns. And you're going to see little praying grandmas. You're going to see people that just live life 
ordinary, but lived a life of sacrifice and continual service to their children, to, to those that are around them, quiet in the corners, walking around with huge crowds. God sees things totally different than we see things. And those that you think are suffering now, and they're going to be greatly honored in heaven. Glory. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, though you do not, not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy unspeakable, inexpressible, and filled with glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. The return of Jesus is the outcome of our faith, meaning you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. And the result, Peter says, will be joy that is inexpressible. And it will be filled with glory. What's glory mean? It sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? But it simply means wait. Wait. The weightiness of God. The weightiness. Glory means wait. And what Peter is saying is that the burdens are heavy in this world but the blessing is weightier. The blessing is weightier. The blessings of God outweigh the weights of this world. That being in exile and far away from home is a burden. But being saved by God is a blessing that is heavier, that is more glorious. The only way to make it through this life is to have something or someone that is heavier, greater, more grand, more glorious, more significant, more prominent, more powerful, more hopeful than this world. And His name is Jesus. And when you see Him, you will be filled with joy and rejoicing that is inexpressible, indescribable. How many of you have ever experienced a moment like that in your life where you're so excited that you couldn't even form words? I remember the first time I held the child, my child. I couldn't say nothing. I just laughed. It was joyful laughs in that delivery room. I remember when the doors opened and Amanda came down. We had a 90s wedding, you know. Dresses were 10 mile trains and everything. She looked like a princess coming down. You couldn't say. There's no words. You don't. What do you say? That's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. We're just going to be rejoicing. And there won't be words for it. There are moments in life that are so sacred, that they're so special, that they're, they're almost supernatural, that we don't even have words. We don't have words. What Peter is talking about is heaven, heaven visiting you so that you can rejoice with joy that is inexpressible until you have the revelation of Jesus Christ and the outcome of your salvation. And you're filled with joy and peace that surpasses understanding and you're shouting and clapping and rejoicing. See, we have a revelation of Jesus. What does revelation mean? It means to see. We get to we see Jesus. We're seeing Him right now as we're looking at the Scriptures in 1 Peter. We're understanding. We see our future. We see inheritance. And that's why we clap. That's why we dance. That's why we sing. It's because we have a revelation of Jesus. And it fills us with joy. Joy is a, is, is a bigger language. So that's why we sing. It's not because there's not problems out there. It's because there's hope in here. Right? It's not because the world doesn't need work. Rather, the only way the work begins is when we start with worshiping the God who can do all the work. Salvation of your souls. Then Peter closes with this. I'm not ready to close yet, though. <laughs> guess you're getting excited. Then Peter closes with this. Your blessings outlast your burdens. The salvation of your souls. 
concerning this salvation, you've got blessings from God, you're elect, you, you, you've got burdens from the world, you're in exile, it feels like that the two are in a race, doesn't it? Sometimes in your life, man, good things are happening over here, but bad things are over here, and it just seems like they're, they're in a race, and which one's going to win? Guess what? God's glory, God's salvation, God's blessing wins the race. It wins the race. God's blessings wins the race. Eventually your burdens will cease and the blessings will continue. The blessings of God outrun the burdens of this life for all eternity. In verse 10, don't worry, we're going to get through this pretty quick. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was um, indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Think about that. In the things that have not been announced to you, though those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels Long to look. You know, this we're preaching right now the Word of God, and it says that angels are look, looking in. They're longing to look. Listen, concerning this salvation, the prophets, these were the guys in the Old Testament, they wrote, they spoke about the Word of God, right? And you know what the world needs right now? The world needs a Word from God. And you can't have a Word from God without the Word of God. Right? It's funny that, that people want see God move, but they don't want the Word of God. They don't want to speak the Word of God. This is so significant. He talks about the prophets who prophesied about grace. Some people say in the Old Testament it was all about the law and all the New Testament is all about, about grace. Guess what? No, the whole book is about grace, grace, grace. He says the whole Bible is about grace. It's about Jesus. It's about love. It's about forgiveness. It's about eternal life. It's about mercy that never ends from a father's heart prophesied about the grace that that was to be yours. They were prophesying about the day that we're living in today. They searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or, or time the Spirit of Christ would be in them. It was the Holy Spirit who indwelt and empowered the perfect life of Jesus. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to empower His servants of God to write the Scriptures and then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to fill the children of God to open the Word of God to receive the Word from God. Does <laughs> that make sense? Basically what I'm saying is, is that you are filled with the Spirit of God. These, these, these words are the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, revelation, empowerment, edification, encouragement, faith arises within you. When you open your Bible, something supernatural happens. Something supernatural happens. God who wrote it indwells you. And in a world that is filled with bad news, the Bible's filled with good news. In a world that's filled with division, the Bible brings unity. In a world that is filled with lots of lies, there's nothing but truth in this book. Amen? You can only take so much toxic social media. Right? You can only take so much until your soul is sick and you have no hope. You can only turn into the latest crisis or global rage and anger for so long until you need to tap into God's power and His truth. You need the Holy Spirit to give you some perspective so that you are responding to Him and not reacting to the world. See, that's the problem. The Christians are constantly responding to culture instead of reacting to what God is doing. We should be leading. But instead, we're always following culture. It was revealed to them. And they were serving not themselves, but they were serving you. The, pe- the people thousands of years ago were writing Scripture, including Peter, for you. This is a gift for you. This is God's Word 
for you. This is God's direction for you. His instruction, His correction, His edification for you. This is God's love letter and His affection to you. Things into which angels long to look. That sounds, that's, that sounds weird. An angel is a messenger of God. Angel literally means messenger. It's a divine being that's a messenger of God. When God would have a message to deliver, He'd grab an angel and they would deliver the message. Works a lot better than post office. For example, it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, it says that the law was mediated to Moses through angels. But then there was times. There was times that angels would, would, would convey with God and God would be like, okay, I have another message. And angels were like, okay, what's the message and who's it for? And Holy Spirit would say, I'm going to deliver this message. This message is about Jesus. This message is too important. I'm going to deliver it myself. I'm going to pick a servant and I'm going to fill them and I'm going to speak to them and they're going to, they're going to speak and they're going to write for me. This message is about Jesus. It is so important that I've got to deliver it myself. That's amazing. That would include the book of 1 Peter. And it says that angels in heaven are like, what does this mean? They're looking down and saying, what does this mean? When you do a Bible study, you are learning things that angels wish they could have understood. That's amazing. And we take it for granted. There's two things that I've seen. Number one, I've never met a Christian that after meeting Jesus, regretted it. I've met a lot of people with a lot of regrets in their life, but I've never met someone who said, you know what, my life was doing pretty good, and then I met Jesus, and that was the worst decision that I ever made. Think about that. Second thing, I know the power of God's Word. That's why we're going to be in 1 Peter for the weeks to come. That's the way it works. You open the Word of God, you receive a Word from God, and it brings hope, it brings help, it brings healing of the Holy Spirit to the children of God. When you open the Word of God, and you are ministered to God, by God through the Spirit. Something supernatural happens. When you open the Word of God, and Peter says, angels are back up in heaven going, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? But it's a gift for you. It's a gift for me. And they get to observe. Are you giving them something to observe? You get to enjoy it. And they get to look on. Let me close with this. The prophets, were they blessed by God? That's the question. Were the prophets blessed by God? Yes. Yes. Were they loved by the world? No. That's you. The prophets were hated. They were despised. They were rejected. They were outcast. They were maligned. They were murdered. We talked about this last week. Peter, a year after him writing this letter, Nero came into as emperor. And if you want some nightmares, read up on Nero. This is a man that used to throw parties in his court, his um, garden area, and would dip Christians in tar and light them on fire so they could have lights that night. think things are bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. But they're going to get better. We're not going that direction. The prophets were blessed 
by God, but they were hated by the world. They didn't have to worry about a retirement account because they didn't live long enough to need one. But eternity has vindicated them. Those that history has vilified. Don't worry about your approval rating. Don't worry about your likes. Don't worry about history affirming you. Worry about eternity vindicating you. That's the message of the prophets. Remember, in the midst of a burden of this world and being an exile, we can rejoice in our salvation, in our heavenly blessing. That's the whole point of what Peter has wrote to us. He says, here's the good news. Here's the bad news. Which one are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the burden? Are you going to focus on this fallen world? Are you going to focus on what the devil's doing? Are you going to focus on crazy people? Or are you going to focus on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one that has given us salvation? We have an eternal, eternal inheritance in Him. We have the hope of the resurrection of the dead. We have grace and we have peace in Him. Amen. We're going to have to close. We're going to close with worshiping. You can clap. You can rejoice as we go. But as, as we get ready to worship, let's everybody stand up and I'll kick off our rejoicing. Here's how we're going to re- kick off our rejoicing. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again, amen, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, undefading, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's worship Him. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.